Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator. The Berserk continuing saga. We're talking conviction arc today. My name is Guts. That is Puck. I can't believe I dropped my fucking recorder, dude. <laughs> this, is, this is our first take two episode. It turns out that if you drop a Taz cam, and I watched it happen, like it started slipping out of my grip and I overcorrected and it hit the ground and the batteries popped out and apparently that will just erase the the file that you've been recording for almost 45 minutes so we lost we lost 45 minutes I'm gonna fucking kill myself dude <laughs> nah don't do that don't do that so you got caught up with the golden age arc which I think mm. is an important thing to talk about when getting into the conviction arc, you have to understand where it's coming off of, which is uh, this long. I kept calling it like an 11 volume flashback, but you're, I mean, you're right in that like the first three volume prologue is actually more like a, a flash forward of things to come. Like it's one of those in media res, you know, things. And then, it goes back to show the whole from childhood up to Band of the Hawk trajectory of guts and coming right off of the eclipse is uh, I mean it's what drives the conviction arc the things that take place in the eclipse I can't believe I dropped my shit bro we we gotta show we gotta show to do bro it's gone it's gone. It's it's gone like the band of the hawk. Like the band of the hawk. It's not coming back. It's, it's not coming back. back it's in pieces. You're, you're living. You're living for people that are that are dead, and the living are right here, right here. I'm right here, bro. Our listeners, you know, they're right here. Just between this and Roe v. Wade, everything's falling apart. <laughs> that's very timely for the reading of this like so this total like i almost forgot that this like after casca is we don't gotta talk about this shit in a linear order either because i'm gonna uh. bounce all over the place but um after casca is raped by god griffith she has a baby sort Mm -hmm. of i mean she's not she doesn't go through a pregnancy necessarily but she like shoots out this demon spawn during the day right or near dusk or dawn from dusk till dawn i always think back to that movie to remember which one is which like okay Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so near near dawn she shoots out this baby and you know it's this nasty little demon thing and it's from obviously it's from the this uh celestial rape that just occurred and guts is just about to step on the motherfucker and and she has this like automatic maternal instinct to be like no like this is my baby whatever and then as the sun comes up because it's a demon it disappears um and then that is never addressed again as far as the conviction art goes uh but skeleton knight says that it might show up at some point so 
that mm-hmm. that'll be interesting if that's a thing later with this demon baby yeah yeah the demon baby so the demon baby isn't the weird deformed baby that keeps showing up is that, oh, that's, is it, that's is a diff- that... i think that's the same baby maybe it is yeah it's like a little no, fucked up looking baby because yeah. that little fucked up looking baby thing is shows up in uh the tower right doesn't it? yeah right so in in golden age i wanted to real quick just catch up because in the first episode that we did on berserk i hadn't finished the golden age arc so we didn't get to talk about it a lot and now we get to talk about it twice so um <laughs> in the at the end of the golden age what happens is uh griffith gets imprisoned for a year he gets uh tortured for a year because he fucked a princess and the princess's dad wants to fuck her which is a common theme in berserk of fathers wanting to have sex with their daughters um so the king is crazy jealous locks him up tortures him uh cuts all of his tendons he can't move he's a little ragdoll puppet thing guts casca and crew go and rescue him it's a great scene and they escape and something that mira does there that i think is really good considering what's about to happen is he makes griffith really pathetic he also makes griffith really evocative through just his eyes because you you don't see what happened to his face they take his helmet off once and they're like put that shit back on it's (laughs) fucked up um (laughs) but you just see his eyes and and it's really uh it's really interesting and you feel bad there's a scene where he's in the back of a wagon and casca's taking care of him and he gets up and tries to give her a hug and you're like god damn dude he's, he's like a baby you know like he's been he's gone from this you know, golden, beautiful, uh, God-type figure to just a complete shell of what he once was. And you, you feel genuinely bad for him until uh, he finds the bailet again, the eclipse happens, and he is approached by the God Hand, who are the Hellraiser demon-type dudes. And they, they basically say, hey, um, we've got a deal for you. If you sacrifice everything that you love will turn you into a you know a cool demon thing and what the the goat the god mira does so well i think is actually elucidate an important point about human nature which is that whether or not you are a striver social climber ambitious you know whatever you can just be like a regular person who has friends who you care about but there are some people and i'm not one of them because i'm like guts but there are some people who if given an opportunity it doesn't matter how much they love you it doesn't matter uh what y'all's connection is if they're given an opportunity they'll take it and they'll put a knife in your back and i just i thought that that was so well i think in lesser hands it would have been more projected that you know that Griffith was kind of like planning to do all this, you know, which I mean, I guess it's it's foreshadowed a little bit, but I feel like it, he would have been made into more of a sinister bad guy. But Miura's not ready to to do that, right? He he portrays him as an ambitious but overall normal person who's given an ultimatum and very scarily, casually decides to 
sacrifice his friends. Yeah. So it's a really great scene in which the God hand presents this question to him, and he's like, I want, yeah, I want to meet God. He meets God in the manga, and then it, there's like, there, there's also some great questions about like, what is God? And God is talking back to Griffith like, well, I mean, I'm kind of you, like whatever you do, like, or is enacting my essence or something. So he's just like, and he's like, you know, so what's up with it? Like, you gonna be one of these, one of these guys? You gonna be part of my hand? And uh, Griffith is like, I want wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when it's like, do you want your friends to be devoured by demons? Uh, these people that you love and who have, you know, supported your your ambition, like who have exploited themselves to just for just a semblance of family to themselves so that they can just tag along and like help you carry out your vision, do whatever you want. Like, do you want to just have them devoured by demons? And he's like, can I get wings? (laughs) (laughs) Griffith basically, he sacrifices all of his friends, a bunch of demons come out. Uh, They start raping Casca. She gets all these weird demon penises in her. And then, uh, and then Griffith goes over and rapes her. Guts is being a badass. He rips off a demon's unicorn horn and uses it to kind of jump off of cliffs made out of evil demon faces and slide down them. It's like the opening. It's like the the cover to the game Doom, where he's you know he's standing on a pile of demon corpses and like shooting shit. Yeah. Like that's what it. That's what it reminded me of. Um, but uh, so basically. Uh, Griffith rapes Casca until she gets, uh, she becomes retarded, which is, when I read that, I was like, damn, that's, that's exactly what happens when I fuck a bitch, you know? <laughs> she just starts, starts drooling, starts trying to eat dirt, just like snuffling around on the ground like a hog, like it's just, you know? You just fuck the English out of her. Right, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the rape of casca is is very powerful because it mirrors uh the sex scene between guts and casca which is very loving but also done in kind of a porno style right like mira l- clearly did some research right because there's some you know standing sex where her like leg is up by her ear and shit like there's a lot of fun kama sutra positions that they get into and I haven't counted, but I'd be willing to bet that the rape scene has just as many panels as the sex scene does, because it's kind of, it's it's meant to mirror itself. Yeah, it it feels like that was completely the intent, because that's what it, I mean. That's what I thought of, along with that you know infamous scene in Irreversible. We're being forced to watch it just like guts is being held down forced to watch it and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the things that mayora does really well throughout this whole series is the emotional impact that it carries is because he does these little stylistic things that ground you into it like with the characters uh, along with like the, just the thematic weight of what this mm-hmm. series is about mm-hmm. like it is mm-hmm. all I think everyone is going to relate to it because it's about what it is to be human. Like, it's asking the question, 
what is it to be human? And it's diving head first into every beautiful and ugly aspect of that with mm-hmm. uh, like with with Griffith gen I would say like I'm of the opinion that he genuinely loves his crew that mm-hmm. he betrays mm-hmm. like without mm-hmm. a second thought right. um but where another thing that this manga does is like inversion and like uh reflection of different um personalities and ideas and uh where Guts is obviously the mirror of Griffith, Guts has like this respect of personhood to people that Griffith lacks and that he is driven solely by his ambition, will, and ego and doesn't see any of these people that he cares about and sort of a, in like a condescending paternal way, but they're not on his level. Mm-hmm. Whereas Guts has this more um, innate, like, care for humanity. Like, he has empathy. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to say Griffith necessarily lacks it. I don't think he represents a sociopath necessarily. But Guts has this empathy that is, like, a, a big part of his continuing story especially post eclipse when we get into the conviction arc it's about what what are you being driven by now yeah he doesn't he doesn't have casca taken away from him necessarily like she's there you know right right yeah no i like that in a broad sense (coughs) what you just said about the book being about what drives you and what ambition actually does because at the beginning of the conviction arc we're introduced to Godo who's the guy who made the the dragon slayer sword is that what it's called dragon killer dragon yeah, slayer it's called the dragon uh, slayer he made that giant slab of iron uh mm-hmm. off of a commission to kill dragons mm-hmm. and so basically uh guts rickert the kid is the only member of the band of the hawk besides casca uh, guts and to a sort of an extent Griffith uh, who survives the eclipse and he goes to uh, live with this blacksmith who has taken in a young girl and who hasn't tried to fuck her very important right who just yeah, actually yeah, did very, a good thing I think he's just the only good character in this <laughs> yeah yeah Godo the blacksmith is basically a good character who it, a few things to point out number one it's interesting that all the good characters are very gruff like like guts and like Godo because they're always telling each other like shut the fuck like get out of my face I don't want to talk to you but they're actually good people deep down whereas it Uh seems like people who have more flowery flowery language when the chips are down they uh, puss out or whatever but Godo has this great scene it's only two pages long or so where he guts is asking him about why did you become a blacksmith and he's like well I mean at some point like he's like my grandfather did it my father did it and at some point I just picked it up and he's like, and I just started hammering and now I'm fucking old. Um, <laughs> and Miura is a person who has talked about in interviews that the life of a manga artist is kind of boring. He's like, you know, I spend most of my days hunched over a desk trying to get these drawings right. So I think in his worldview, he's kind of like Godo, right? He, he, Miura started drawing when he was seven years old. His parents moved around a lot. 
and that's how he would make friends with people he'd draw he uh he drew this comic called Muir Ranger which is like a portmanteau of Muir and Ranger and um so he's always been somebody who who draws always been somebody who doesn't seem to be driven by you know a ton of ambition because when you look at his bibliography uh what I mean by ambition, I mean, obviously, Berserk is a huge series, and it's seminal and, and enormous, right? So he had ambition to do his one thing, but he only, like, worked with other people, like, four or five other times. What I mean is, you know, he didn't take, like, Superman commissions or whatever the Japanese Ultraman commissions. Right. Like, he, he wasn't out here trying to, like, you know, there's writers who I know who would give their left nut to just be able to write a Star Wars book. And Mira was like, "No, I got the. I work on this thing. I, like, I, make, I make Berserk. This is this is my project. This is my blacksmithing. Uh, you know." He's like, "I was born. I started drawing, and then, unfortunately, rest in peace. He he died while still making Berserk, right? Yeah, and yeah. and I th- I think he was kind of close. And I tend to think, you know, when my grandparents died, um, they were very bored." They kind of had, they had retired. They were kind of puttering around their houses. Uh, and I think that the body kind of gives up when it's completed its task, you know? Like, because I think that souls reincarnate. So I think that it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're, we're done with this incarnation now, right? Like, you've done what you need to do. And I wouldn't be surprised, especially because it was his heart. It was an aortic dissection, unless he got, uh, you know, Pfizered, unless it was the vaccine that got him. But, like, the fact that his heart came apart when he was about to be done with Berserk feels symbolically and magically correct, right? Like, his, his work was was done. It just ended up, like, he just died right before it could be finished. Damn. Yeah. I'm curious to get to to the end of this thing too, to kind of feel like the vibes of his of his ending of like where he left off. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it must be like my whole thing is that like I know there was more stuff planned, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is spiritually over, right? Like I'm I'm curious to get to the end too, and think like oh damn like I want to know what happened. You know, there's this cliffhanger whatever or is it a situation like the end of deadwood season three where they didn't they didn't expect for it to be over but you know swearingen mopping up the prostitute's blood and saying they want me to tell them something pretty is actually the best ending of the show that's the right yeah yeah that's how Uh that's how it ends the movie doesn't count right the movie the movie's fine right but it's like completely unnecessary for for everything but um so we get to the conviction arc, which runs from issues, or volumes, I should say, uh, like midpoint of 14 all the way through the end of 21. It's a little bit shorter than the Golden Age arc, uh, not anywhere near as long as the next arc, the Millennium Falcon arc, which we'll have to definitely split up because it's most most of the rest of the series is this next arc. Um and we find guts uh and i like that mira did this right uh after the eclipse we get some monster of the week type arcs right yeah so some little side quest shit side quest shit which i think is important because you know eventually 
it kind of does go back to um, these these big epic questions that were being asked at the end of the golden age. But we start off at <laughs> what's up, Bubba's? He's just he hears Daddy talking. And he he's entering the conversation. Um, yeah, he's the third chair. Yeah. So it basically starts off with the lost children arc, which I thought was hilarious. You talk about guts like trying to squish the baby. Uh, in the, in the lost children arc, guts essentially commits mass infanticide over and over and over again <laughs> because there is a little girl named Rosalind who has once again an abusive father and a mother who doesn't do anything to stop him, and she runs away to join the elves, but what she finds instead is a bailet and is approached by the god hand and offered demonic powers in exchange for a sacrifice, which ends up being her parents uh to become an elf but she's not quite an elf she's a like a creepy version of an elf and she can essentially turn the children of of her village and the surrounding villages into these uh elf wasp creatures right they turn into wasps when they get mad i'm trying to think of how that all relates to guts i don't remember where does he come in is he trying to get away from the villagers like he gets there and he no jill he helps out jill the girl mm. who oh, okay. is like being a she's being abused by her dad right yeah. um and he uh doesn't he like intervene there and then the villagers get pissed at him and then oh right the the villagers it's because the villagers think that he's the reason why kids are disappearing because he gets into a fight and like once he kills all these elf things once they're dead they turn back into actual dead children right yeah and so they're like oh you're a monster which in a way he kind of is but guts isn't thinking that hard about this shit he's basically like these are demons my brand of sacrifice in my neck starts to bleed when they're around and uh and they gotta go so the lost children arc i think asks at the end um, and this is really well done how every even like the side monster quests have interesting uh, philosophical questions at the end of them right because jill was best friends with rosalind who's coded as a lesbo right because she's always uh-huh. playing with boys stuff uh jill finally finds her friend who takes her you know flying through the sky they're able to see all this beautiful scenery and um Basically, Rosalind is like, do you just want to become an elf with me? I mean, you can fly everywhere. We have fun. We play. And uh, uh, the alternative being, of course, that she goes back to an abusive household. And that's what's kind of interesting about this question of the demon pact, right? Is like, if your life... What's up, Bubba's? What's the matter? You just complaining? You don't watch some Sesame Street? Did Daddy do He's the like, Agitator podcast? It's getting very popular, and I think it's because of you. I think you're the star of this whole it's, podcast. It's Gus. It's Gus. He yeah, thinks we good. keep saying his name. Yeah, because we're talking about guts. <laughs> Which I think is when he's old enough, I'm going to be like, that's you, Bose. You're, you're guts. You're the yep. black swordsman. Um, and uh, But that is an interesting question, right? It's like if a demon comes to you and offers you like, hey, you can fly and... You know, you never have to worry about all this shit ever again. And the alternative is to go back to your shitty life. 
the hard moral point that Muir is making is exemplified in Gus, who would never take that deal, right? Because he's yeah. the struggler, right? There's value in, in, in struggle. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's part of the being human thing is to uh, struggle and not to revel in it, but like to, you just do it. Like, and that's what's beautiful about Gus too, is he doesn't think hard about any of this shit. Like, he just keeps going purely driven by and he's he's grow like you know he's growing mainly with the help of like puck his little elf friend yeah we gotta talk about puck yeah we gotta talk about puck um you know he's growing uh because he'd just be stunted as a as an angry grumpy retard if he didn't Mm -hmm. have some sort of like you know he's, he's on a sojourn as he continues just hacking and slashing his way forward and being like no you're evil you die like i don't (laughs) with i'm not putting any thought into this yeah he just keeps um struggling and that's part of his ambition that's the like difference between the human path the empathetic path the uh more natural way I'm trying to think of the like the main difference between guts and Griffith. Is it humanity? Like not like because Griffith represents an, another side of human nature. Is it the projection of personhood? Like, is it that outward uh, projection versus the inward? Like you know. It's me, I'm the main character, or it's like, mm-hmm. no, I can't, like, my, like, a, I can't sacrifice a piece of my humanity by sacrificing other, by giving, by thinking of other people as less than. Yeah, that nails it. I don't even need to repeat anything you said, because I think that's it. Um, but I think that another, another dimension of it, after everything you said, right, like having main character syndrome. This is really important, by the way, for people who are too on Twitter or who are just kind of alive in this world right now. Uh, y'all need to stop, like, thinking that you're the main character of shit. Just, like, yeah, straight you're not up. the main character. You are not yeah. the main character. We all know that Elon Musk is the main character. Kanye West is the main <laughs> character. You are not the main character. Um, and you're not going to turn into a demon bird either. Like, the metaphor yeah. for the Griffith character works, like, applies to so mm-hmm. many different scenarios but it's most commonly like in real world and in instances where you and I can relate to that type of betrayal or whatever mm. it's so much lamer than that yeah yeah it's much much worse um i think that in the world of berserk uh religion and gods are really looked down on we see that in the conviction arc which introduces us to father mosgus who is this like iron headed pope bishop type character who some of the grossest and goriest scenes uh, even worse i think than some of the eclipse stuff take place in his inquisitory torture chamber where he's got like you know like a woman who is being lowered onto a sharp pyramid pussy first uh you know got people being pulled apart by the rack their titties stretched out eyeballs plucked out and you know and he's doing all of that for god and of course, the big twist, not to get too far ahead in the conviction arc, 
But the big twist is that they actually are doing God's bidding, right? They, they're, they've been angels the entire time, which I thought was just fucking brilliant, right? Like, <laughs> right. The, in, in this universe, it's like the angels aren't better than the demons. So I say all of that to say another thing that separates Griffith and Guts and something that Mira might be trying to say here is that he seems to be really down on using all-powerful beings as like a crutch almost as if the act of being human is one of struggling right and that the only real nobility is in having your ass kicked and and just crawling over broken glass to get things done without this all-powerful godlike boost right there's he sees that as cheap right the real moral failing that rosalind or uh, or griffith or any of them have is that they're willing to take number one that they're willing to take deals that sacrifice their friends but what they're doing it for is to take a shortcut you see what i mean like yeah they're 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 kind of they're denying their humanity and that's represented literally in them turning into demons but humanity in this case is the act of being a struggler yeah and you sort of render your life meaningless by taking especially griffith it's like you're not even human anymore yeah so what was the point like and it betrays his initial ambition as well because like in his dream when he's a child and he's chasing after you know whenever he's like in the wagon i think and he's riding down to the the red lake where the eclipse takes place and um he's like in his mind he's a child and he's running towards this big castle he doesn't get the big castle no he gets turned into a demon and has to live in an mc escher painting for the rest of his life Uh, (laughs) yes with the upside down staircases yeah by the way that shit really got to me there have been a few points in this uh in this series where i got like choked up a little bit and that was one of them right when you flash the other one was actually when griffith flashes to a fantasy where him and casca are married and they have a kid i was like god damn that shit hit me in the fucking nuts dude Mm. i started just like i just took rios and i just like started crying into her shoulder and and she was like what's wrong and i was like i was just (laughs) i was just thinking about roe v wade (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm so glad you like Costco and not like guts <laughs> but uh we mentioned puck a little bit earlier so we got to talk about puck really quick and how important this character is i know that puck is a semi-divisive character among people and at first glance i could see that it's a bit jarring to have this dark uh very detailed fantasy world and then have this essentially he's an anime character there's a scene where he says uh you know guts says like get out of here get lost and he's like i can't get lost like i can't leave because this would become a very different manga if i left and so he knows he knows he's a manga character right um and he's got all the facial expressions the big teardrops the he's always like or like that kind of shit until uh Isidro shows up, who's a kid thief, and he's also kind of a cartoon. But uh, Puck is important for more than just the fact that he heals guts, 
with his elf dust because elves are magic. It works because it's this juxtaposition, right, between the deadly seriousness of of the arcs and and this comic relief. Yeah, no, the the juxtaposition of it's not this tonal shifting necessarily so much as it's this uh, steady juxtaposition of light and dark, which is sort of this theme of the whole book as well as like mirroring and reflecting and like having two sides of the same coin which you could the most obvious being you know guts and griffith but you also have like guts and goto where it's like they're very similar and that they just do what they were born to do we probably mentioned this a little bit in the first berserk but guts was born hanging from the womb of a dead woman hanging from a tree and picked up by a band of raiders and raised to be like like the adoptive mother who takes him in dies uh of a plague when he's still very young he's sort of bullied into being a soldier uh his father figure allows him to be raped by another raider um and he's just kind of destined to be this constant homeless struggler who swings a sword. And uh, not necessarily because he was born into badassery, but because he, w- he was born in the struggle. Like, he was born in the mud. Um, and, you know, Goto was born in, to the bla- into blacksmithing. And yeah. they just do what they do. And so there's that dedication, and then the dedication translates into loyalty later on with Guts when he finds an actual purpose with the Band of the Hawk, and he's like, he finds a family with them. They mirror each other in dedication, but whenever it comes to the driving force, like what are they driven by, Goto is very much driven by love. Like he's one of the most pure characters he has a daughter who he doesn't try to fuck, who he adopted, right? Who he like picked up on the side of the road and was like, oh, I guess I'll take care of you. And he just does what he does and he commits to it and he knows it's not anything grand. It's just his role and that's what he sticks to out of love for it and out of the care of you know the people in, in his home. And Guts is driven by hate after the eclipse which is very, in the world of Berserk and just in, you know, life, you know, love and hate, they're not opposites. They are like, you know, two sides of the same coin. Like he loved these people who were taken from him and he's driven by this blind rage. I forgot where I was, what started me on that path. No, it's good. I'm going to let, I'm just going to put a pin in it right there because I don't have anything to add. I think that was a really good monologue. So... To get back to the conviction arc, after he chops up Rosalind, um, he goes... Oh, in an epic battle, by the way. Like, one thing that Miura does, no matter what he's showing you, like, it's like, oh, there's an elf side quest. It's like, well, that sounds kind of gay. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, it's this long, like, and really dark because it shows the elves turn back into children after they're slaughtered and they're just cut up little kids all over the place and like oh dude i'm so glad you reminded me the elf arc has my or the elf chapter has my favorite 
darkly funny joke in all of Berserk so far. So we have Puck, who is the comic relief. But basically, when Jill is being shown the world of the elves by Rosalind, uh, you know, they're flying through the sky and you're looking at these majestic mountains and the, the valley of the mist and, or no, Misty Valley, sorry. And, um, you know, she's watching the elves play with like a ball. It's like, we just play all day. We play all day. And, and she's like, wow, this seems pretty fucking good. I could become an elf. And she's like, hey, wait, what are they what are they doing? She's like, oh, they're about to play war. And the elf uh, children start ripping each other apart. And then once one of the elves dies and turns back into a kid, the elves start, like, gang raping his corpse. And <laughs> I was just like, I laughed out loud at that shit. I was like, that is so fucked up but like it i it's it's played semi-comically semi like you're supposed i don't know if he's going for like are you supposed to be horrified or whatever but just this idea of like uh you know they're playing at they're not playing war i misspoke they're playing human right that's that's specifically what they call it yeah it's like we're being human which means we rape and murder people um so yeah she tells her if you go back to your village like you will like this is what you face like yeah. we're just playing and she's like but you're actually killing each other it's like well yeah, good, yeah, yeah so are you yeah she's like well you bring up a, po- a good point yeah no i um by the way this might seem like a completely random digression but it is about it's about something i noticed in berserk and i can't tell if this is like my translation but whenever guts is giving like a speech did it seem to like cut off for you right before he gets to the end of a lot of his speeches like he'll be like i i and then the issue will just end oh i thought that that was just a uh like there's a constant questioning right like these characters don't know like it is like the philosophy that of berserk is not something you could easily put in a book i related a lot to the bible and that you take your you extrapolate your own interpretation from it mm-hmm. it's not something you can just package into like the the zen teachings of winnie the pooh it's like the characters themselves are questioning all this shit they don't know i thought it was on purpose every time he was like yeah. i and then it's just yeah. like it's like oh, no. yeah that that tracks with me too i was just making sure I, my translation wasn't fucked up mm. so basically in the elf arc we are introduced to the holy iron chain knights of the holy sea which the holy sea is like the the papistry of this world um basically miura in several interviews has said that he's completely uninterested in history so you'll see this interesting melding of uh, medieval times renaissance times some weird arab shit you know and he just doesn't care which was huge for me because I'm writing a sci-fi fantasy book um, to just and, and, and my big stumbling block was all my friends who do that have bibles of different races uh, classes magic spell how the magic works uh, all this kind of shit and I've just I've never cared about that kind of thing so reading Berserk was kind of huge for me in the sense that I'm just going to copy Mira and you know you figure it out as you go along basically 
uh, which again, uh, everything just links to everything else. Like, so the Holy See is are this group of, uh, as we mentioned earlier, knights who are mostly for show. They're mostly rich kids who walk around and try to hunt witches and shit. And they're led by, uh, what's her name? Fuck, I'm forgetting the um, name. Fre- uh, Frieza, Freese, Freese. Freeseet, Freeseet. It's an odd name. It's an interesting name. Um, Lady Freeze. Lady Freeze. They're led by Lady Freeze. That's what we'll call her. Frasica. Um, and and that is when this uh it's interesting that it's called the conviction arc right and it's called that ostensibly because it all ends up at the tower of conviction where uh, the holy see and the inquisitors all live and they torture people and shit like that but the arc itself does deal a lot with faith particularly in this character right who is uh basically a devout christian you could say that there's no real Jesus character in Berserk, but she's it's coded as Christianity. But she's also like really horny. There's a great scene where her and Guts are together, and she gets possessed by demons, and she tries to like fuck his sword. Like she puts her pussy on his sword, and she's like, "Split me open." Uh, <laughs> literally, like that's what she says. And yeah. so she's she's dealing with these like erotic feelings, and she whips herself for it. And I thought it was interesting that they made her a woman character, right? Like, I thought that that was, you know, acknowledgement that women struggle with their sexuality and their erotic urges uh, the same as men do, I think is really uh, true and also unique for uh, the medium, right? Again, I'm completely talking out of my ass because I'm not a... I'm not an anime or manga expert, but you know, you you often see um, women's sexuality depicted as like, you know, they're more demure and just waiting for like a guy right, to come around right. and fuck them and like. Yeah. But this, yeah. she's she's not demure. She's actually like she's suppressing violent S and M hardcore lust sexual yeah. lust yeah right exactly and she and wants I feel to like that scene could guts. be taken as she wasn't actually possessed because mm, yeah. they said possessed and I was like when did the demon go into her I I thought she just kind of had a wave of like holy shit I almost fucking died and I'm already right. pretty much I already had my clothes torn off I'm gonna go so, fuck this dude yeah I'm gonna fuck his sword. <laughs> uh, and I don't know I just I think that that was a really interesting question I'm not like su- super sex is interesting to include like Berserk has a lot of sex a lot of like insane gore and violence and sex it really is pretty it's got that parental advisory sticker when you when you buy the volumes at the store and it earns it for sure but yeah <laughs> th- those to me are just like kind of interesting there's also the Nina who's the the, one of the refugees who lives outside of the Tower of Conviction, because there's some... Okay, before I go any further, because my thoughts are all kind of tumbling into each other, because Berserk just, you know, is this idea generator. But one thing that I thought was so interesting, how it was executed, is that these big socio-political ideas are presented um, with, in a very non-heavy-handed way, Right. Um, so basically the outside of this tower where of course all of the holy sea knights and 
they call it Iron Chain Nights or Well Fed, uh, is just this huge crowd of refugees, right? And they're starving to death. And they're also being periodically burned because the Inquisition is going through this, you know, like the reason why all of our crops are dead is because there's witches around. So we've got to find the witches right. and burn them and shit like that, right? So uh, I thought it was just like, you know, it's just kind of presented, uh, but you don't really necessarily see all the inner Game of Thrones machinations of people in power. Uh, it's got a real kind of boots on the ground. Like this is what happened. A lot of pictures of like scared kids, you know, that aren't, they're not a part of the plot, like, but Mira does focus on them. Like refugee children in tents, with big sad eyes, big puppy dog eyes, uh, who are starving to death. There's some scenes, uh, especially as a new dad, there's a part where a woman brings her starving child to the 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 big uh, Father Mosgus, the, the bad guy who's actually an angel. And uh, just like the drawing of the emaciated child really hit yeah, me with fucking like nuts. Flies like nipping at his face and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like because he's too weak to breastfeed or whatever. I was like, God damn, that's fucking, that's brutal. Uh, and then yeah. of course, you know, like Mosgus is like, okay, we'll feed the kid. He's like, you did the right thing, but you still sinned. So they take. That's when you see like the torture chamber and shit like that. But am I getting ahead of myself? Was there another? There was the the bug guys, right? Like she, her guts fight has a cool fight with like a praying mantis and a dung beetle. Yeah, that was in the elf in the uh, so like. That's they're the protectors, right? Like they're the, mm -hmm. the elf protectors. Yeah. There were grown ups that were turned into bugs, uh, bug so. demons to protect the forest and keep the children from being found. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, and I think we left off of how like um, how epic that fight with the with the fairy chick is like mm -hmm. on paper. It, it's like he fights a little fairy girl it's like one of the most interesting because they soar up through the sky he has to use all of his weapons she's maybe the fastest enemy he encounters so he she's like a, a huge challenge to him actually and um it's actually after that arc where things keep coming at him and coming at him and coming at him but he's like weakened for a long time after that fight uh because to even get a hit on her he has to like let her impale him so that he can be attached to her to even get like a good shot at her through his cheeks uh, too it's rough but it yeah. leads to one of the most badass iconic panels in the whole series where he's like full beast rage mode but he's got the her little antenna sticker through his uh, through his cheeks yeah he just bites down on it and it's like those white eyes mm -hmm. and full demon mode hell yeah so type so type um which i think we'll get more into in the millennium falcon right like this idea that the beast is inside of him and he loves killing uh that's not super touched on here but it's hinted at um so after her yeah he's just pursued relentlessly by demons he's captured because he's in a weakened state he's captured by the holy see that he has a talk with freeze mr freeze um, mr freeze <laughs> which leads to one of my favorite panels uh, i have posted it on twitter where she's telling him you know you need to confess and he basically just says that confessing is a waste of time because he's like you're not going to hear what i say anyway so 
just do what you're going to do. And I was like, damn, Guts understands cancellation. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're 100% Guts. They're all throughout this fucking series, I'm just like, Guts, Guts, Guts. Yep. That's yep. like, same, bro. Same. Yeah, because, like, cause like, what are you going to do? What, you want me to explain myself? Why? Like, you're not coming from a good faith place. Like, you're going to burn me at the stake no matter what I do. I'm going to escape. I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to kill you. Uh, so we can just skip all the bullshit. But I'm not going to uh, to grovel, you know? I feel like a lot of people these days actually miss how close they are to Inquisitors. Uh, and I can I could already hear them saying, like, well, we don't impale people on pyramids. We don't put them on racks and stuff. It's like, yeah, but, I mean spiritually you're, you're the same you only don't do that because you can't do it legally but yeah not everything is so literal <laughs> yeah yeah like, well I'm that's basically like guts bro i'd be like you know how many people mur- i murdered today i like right. murked so many kids just cut yeah. them in half i didn't give a fuck because we were are demons, spiritually bro. we are spiritually <laughs> guts and you all are spiritually these inquisitors right um so damn there's so much uh where does it go from there he's captured he escapes puck helps him escape which you know also like the great thing about the puck character is that he really does i think every story needs a deus ex machina machine where if your character is captured or uh wounded to the point because you know you want to have these badass battles where guts is brought within an inch of death but then survives and it's like okay but how does he how does he fight the next battle, right? Because tomorrow night, the demons are going to come for him. And it's like, bro, we figured it out. Fairy dust. Sprinkle a little fairy dust on him. He's straight. He can He can, mm-hmm. He can. can fight again. Well, and even so, that isn't necessarily like a deus ex machina. Because if it's a... If this is a series about what it means to be human and, like the, and about struggle and nobility within the struggle a lot of like puck is this mostly useless besides helping to lighten the mood and trying to help like guts on an emotional level and keep him from going just full from becoming a demon not by sacrifice but by like you know just giving in to his full-blown hatred puck is also especially in those moments where he has to heal guts or guts does fall asleep and puck finds out that he can like kind of magically wave the demons away like the weaker demons he can keep them off of him it's this like structurally for the story you know yeah one of those convenient deus ex machinas but it's also like this uh metaphor for like humility sometimes it's the meek you do have weakness as a human and like i guess just respect for the meek as well like puck you know yeah and basically compared to Compared to Guts, everybody is meek. So, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody, like, there's some badasses in there who would be normally, uh, you know, good human fighters, but they can't fuck with the huge slab of iron. Um, so, basically, I guess uh, in this new milieu that we're in, and with the Tower of Conviction, there is a cult that is hiding in a cave. Uh, that and then we're introduced to a, a group of prostitutes. One of them has a heart of gold, 
and is very concerned with making sure that all of her earnings get distributed evenly. Uh, but she's really practical about it, which I thought was really funny and a good piece of advice. Like if you're if you have a crew, you just give everybody an equal share because eventually, like she's the most popular prostitute, and that is the best way to get somebody to turn your ass in if you're taking business away from everybody else. So she kind yeah, of yeah she uh, she understands this like this rule of like everybody eats you know before before I eat. Um, she's the opposite of Marlo. From right. uh, the wire, who's right. like, nah, this is my corner. I'm taking over. She's like, nope, nope, nope. We're not going to war. <laughs> I'm, I'm not burning for you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, everybody's starving. There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, tension around this group. I, I think that they're probably some of the coolest designed enemies. The kind of torture squad. There's like two little midgets who are clearly uh, the, the little. Uh, devil characters in um, Bloodborne? No. Elden Ring. There's so much FromSoft inspiration, right? Because, like, Lady Freeze is obviously yeah. Millennia. Like, the, her design is almost exactly Millennia. She's got, like, four leaf clovers on her. Millennia doesn't. Millennia's got a big metal arm. Wonder where they got that from. Uh, <laughs> but, like, even down to, you know, the fact like the way that when guts is fighting a boss you know he's thinking like where's the weak point i'm getting my ass kicked like i gotta find his weak spot um but as far as the torturers go i mean there's the one with the plague mask and we see the plague mask show up in bloodborne with eileen the crow the two little torturers with the big saws are like the little goblin devils that come after you in uh Oh, you know what? I think actually in uh, it's Sekiro that I'm thinking of that have little guys who look exactly like that with little elf caps who, who come after you. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There's like a big muscle Bane-looking torturer um, and then there's just like a big ugly, ugly fuck, right? So there's a badass fight with the... There's a badass hallucinogenic scene where the kind of cult to Baphomet is... Uh, you know sort of having an orgy in the cave and then the demons come in so the guy who's wearing the goat head actually becomes a goat demon and guts has to fight him uh am i missing something did i miss something um his return to goto whenever uh Mm. it's been two years and he returns because um why he's looking he for Casca. He's looking he's for, looking Casca, for right? Casca. He finds out that she's missing. Somehow. Yeah, he finds out that she's missing that way. I think he comes back just because, like, I think he needs to tune up his sword. His sword's all fucked. That's up. right. Yeah, yeah. It's all chipped and everything, and so he's got to come back and see the blacksmith. And thinks that you know his beloved is just being feral and looked after and. Mm-hmm. everything will be okay when he kills the god hand or something and she's just gonna wait there but jill uh was sick of seeing her depressed and she was eating less and she thought i'll give her some sunshine she'll come pick berries with me she'll uh you know she needs to get out and she disappears she runs off and they can't find her Mm -hmm. 
and then and, that's uh, where she she ends up with the prostitutes though in the yeah, tower yeah. of conviction chapter right and she ends up becoming like uh, semi-worshipped semi-feared as a witch because when night falls demons kind of envelop her and she you know she has all these powers and uh it's not entirely clear how this all works again it's mira like i don't know if he does either uh i have a feeling that when he's plotting these things out he's like oh this would be cool and then he does it and it is cool and we either figure it out later or we don't it doesn't it's not important so um yeah casca ends up there and i guess that's where everything kind of comes to a head right and uh there there are some interesting conversations that happen during that right like so guts is really mad at rickert for letting casca get away and rickert basically says like what the fuck are you mad at me for like you left for two years bro like what's your problem like you think you can just leave yeah he's like i've been here every day taking care of like this is our life you left like Mm -hmm. how could you lose how could i lose you left for two years i'm here every day with your bitch bro yeah exactly and i i thought that that was a really interesting question too it's like you know you're you're driven by this revenge you want to get back at griffith for what he did uh but in in they basically said like what's what would stop you from just you know quit like you're safe in the cave you could live the whole rest of your life in the cave and take care of casca and that is that that is an honorable choice that you could make, but you choose not to. You choose to go out there and, and struggle. And um, for all Mira's uh, philosophical leanings towards struggle and how it is of a, a value in life, there are different kinds of struggle. And being a caretaker for somebody who's disabled is tough, right? It's hard. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see Guts actually, uh, he, he essentially ran away. Like, that was a struggle that he couldn't face because it would have required him to be weak instead of being strong. Um, And that's one of the main things I think that he overcomes in the conviction arc, right? He basically says, you know, I'm going to find her and I'm not going to leave her again. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, the revenge versus acceptance is another reflection between, like, Guts and Rickert. Um, because they share this memory you know they have the same loved one Rickard is going through exactly what Guts is going through he just lost his family you know his brothers in arms and he figured out a way to come to terms with that and keep on with his life and live for the people who are still around whereas Guts kind of sees it in this way of like we started the war we're still here and so we have to finish it yeah but also like yeah like also on a more human level like a less ideological and more human level exactly what you said where it's just like he's just running away from a struggle that he doesn't know how to Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to deal with the other interesting philosophical thing actually is the character of nina uh one of the prostitutes who is she's not the prostitute with the heart of gold she is uh basically that is mira's investigation of cowardice right because uh, nina constantly runs away um she seems every opportunity that she's given she sells her friends out uh, she you know tells the cult to go kill her boyfriend because her boyfriend might tell on them uh she thinks about letting um 
what's her name? She's got like a boy's name. The the, the main the hooker with the heart of gold character. Uh, oh yeah, it's like it's a it's a P word, Pete. No, I don't know. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, her Peter. <laughs> she tells Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she basically whenever there's like an action scene and she's doing the classic like holding holding Peter for dear life, she's literally thinking like I gotta I just gotta let her go or else I'm gonna fall too. Um, and she survives. You know, she is a she ultimately is a survivor because of her her cowardice right um because there's a lot of dimensions to this kind of stuff you know he's not the berserk is not saying that you know being a dishonorable cowardly awful person you know means that you are necessarily going to have any kind of comeuppance it's presented as this is a way that you could live i mean you could do this but but just look at her right like she's pathetic like do you do you want to you want to be like her yeah yeah it's a uh, oh because that that's why berserk is one of the like i put mayora up there with mike with sukamoto with miyazaki and with kojima of like these of like our personal god hand i was of, about to say that's the agitator god hand <laughs> right that's the agitator god hand and like this manifesto and our personal like art artistic inspiration manifesto is like uh mayora is not preaching anything he doesn't have a message he's exploring and that's what makes it like why so many like the major themes are all about humanity what humanity is the different aspect of like you know nobility honored meekness whatever is all like because he's doing a very human thing which is just being curious he's teasing out these ideas he's not and he's immersing himself in all of it in the in the violence in the fun in the like darkness and the hard questions it's just this immersion in the question in this like ability to objectively ponder these things without any sort of without being wrapped up in any ideology or didactic um message mm-hmm. you know it is sort it, it's a very humble struggle in itself to create something like this where you're like you try to shy away from any kind of just like fan serving catharsis or um or browbeating or anything and you just allow you know the sort of mystery to uh, to unfold you just like dive into these questions and keep asking them and just presenting them honestly you know Although on the terms of fan service, one of the joys of Berserk is watching Guts go sicko mode on the bad guys when it does happen. I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. That is, I mean, every time that happens, I'm just like, oh, you are so fucked. He's gonna kill the shit out of you, and it's really, it's really kind of satisfying. Uh, not kind of, it's extremely satisfying to watch these viscerally drawn, uh, you know pictures of him turning into a tornado and just you know body parts flying through the air oh yeah no that i mean that's part of diving into it is just having um 
is enjoying the creation process as well and having moments of like it never feels like he's trolling like he's not the type to be like y'all think this is going to be an epic battle but i'm gonna make it anticlimactic and like oh no 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 quick like no no not at all but it also doesn't feel like cheap fan service you know it feel because when an artist is enjoying something that translates like you can feel that and i think he enjoys all of those badass scenes i mean of course he does that's where a lot of the creativity comes out is like the monster designs and the choreography of the battles yeah they're so fluid like you can there's still two-dimensional panels and you can tell place better than any fight scene in a movie i think i've ever seen yeah exactly like you know exactly what's happening how he you know hits and blocks and all that kind of stuff and um yeah one thing about his level of detail is as he you know got later in life you know episodes of berserk or chapters of berserk would become delayed for a long period of time and it was because of this detail right like he's never he's never going to sit back and just like let it coast you know i mean i think i've i can't remember how i've talked about this on the podcast before but one of the most disappointing things about most action movies is that like the hero will go through an army of henchmen and then get to the final bad guy the one who raped his wife the one who killed his son you know whatever right and he'll like get his ass beat by the bad guy right okay so far so good but then in a lot of action movies like the hero will find some kind of trick right like oh i you know i strapped you to a rocket and it's just so unsatisfying to see them use trickery to kill the bad guy um guts definitely like he'll shoot them with cannons and he'll stuff bombs in their chest or whatever but guts fights back right all these Mm -hmm. all these major bad guys and so it's just so it's so satisfying to see him just like chop these fools in half and cut their heads off and you know because he he did it he did use his wits and he did have to think about it but it's not like you know oh we watched this movie for an hour and a half and you just want you know john wick to get this bad guy and then he finally gets to him and like shoots him and he falls off a roof you know what i mean it's just so yeah yeah. so anticlimactic that's a bad example because john wick is a badass movie but it happens a lot yeah no i know what you mean and um there's a great like as far as badasses go like guts is one of maybe my favorite badass because you see his development like in the in our first berserk conversation where it's when we were talking about the golden age i referred to him as like a retard with a sword like he's not a badass the reason he keeps going is because he's stubborn as hell and he won't stop but he at he grows into a badass like he learns to fight i mean how could you not when you're like stubbornly going up against literal demons and gods you like you know he's like jacob wrestling the angel and it's like except he's wrestling a fuckload of angels and like yeah you get your hip broke here and there but you're gonna and you tear your own arm off and you know you get your eye gouged out but you keep going and you keep fighting and i mean eventually this is who you fight this is what you brush up against so 
he really does become like sort of a superhuman no yeah he definitely does the ending uh, battle to the conviction arc is badass the little egg creature is badass it lives in this little cave full of candles that has a cross draped with the skins of priests which is just the most black metal like (laughs) this thing is just full of images like that right where it's like this is a tree that they would make people nail their intestines to and walk around until they died uh there's just all kinds of like fucking cool pagan uh badass shit the commentary on religion i think was really important because bro i'm like you know i don't like the left and liberals or whatever but i'm being reminded every day on twitter but i don't fuck with the christian right either like what a what a just like everybody turning to catholicism and just literally overnight becoming well becoming who they are right i mean it doesn't matter if you're you're you're, jack put it well he called them right-wing libs uh (laughs) it's like you you, you're a spiritual lib you start talking about you know how you need to get married and you need to have a family and you need to not do drugs and you need to not uh liturgy the black metal trans artist who's like now some kind of christian mystic did a tweet where it was like you you shouldn't consume meaningless art and do drugs and drink and uh it being twitter is really funny because people are like you know your granddad when when he died was the richest person on planet earth from from oil (laughs) money so you know you're an heiress so shut the fuck up forever I don't tell people what to do, but this uh, in Berserk, it's he really. Uh, Japanese people have a really complex relationship with Christianity, right? Because they started off actively trying to keep that shit out, like you know, burying missionaries headfirst in the dirt and torturing mm-hmm. them to death, and they finally let it in. And there's this great picture I saw online where it was like. Uh, this is actually Jesus's grave. Like in, in, in their, this particular church's cosmology, Jesus, when he was resurrected, he went to Japan and like lived on a hill for a while and then died. Uh, so they have this really interesting, all these East Asian countries have an interesting relationship to Christianity, but Miura is like, fuck that, fuck that shit. It's hypocritical. It's, you know, it's uh, abusive it's uh it's you know people basically engaging in murderous bloodlust under the guise of you know under the guise of religion and Mm. i think people would do really well to internalize that because you and i've talked about this too right where uh you know where we were or i'll speak for myself like i was more on the left right because i didn't like the way that christians i knew use their religion to cover for what are essentially base awful human impulses right and once i saw those same base human impulses coming out through the language and rhetoric of academic academic left liberal bullshit i moved away from that too but like we have friends who are on the left who just their analysis of it is really simple like don't like christian hate christian christian bad And we're like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. We're not saying Christians are bad or Christianity is bad. Uh, 
but it can be used as a tool to, to do to do bad things, right? Um, so I think that I think that Berserk uh, uh, is doing that same kind of thing. While we haven't necessarily seen, you know, great depicts like n- nobody's really religious. There's not like a good spirituality in the world of Berserk. Um, he's definitely got his eye on how it can be abused. Yeah. Uh, well, we see God, right? Like when Griffith yeah. and and God is just like, I mean, what you want to do with it? Like, mm-hmm. and God is like this essence. Like he's sort of represented as like an anatomical heart that has lights shining through yeah. holes in it. He's got which these, is like, valves, crazy, and ovipositors yeah. and shit. Yeah. Crazy symbolism relating to like how Mayora died as well. Ooh, uh, I like that. When his you know when his when he was absolved from this earth his heart you know separated came, came apart yeah um damn and it's That's a good point man it, it it's what he's doing through the whole series right like he's just uh he's not really speaking through any he'll jump in these different characters to explore different aspects it's not like this character represents Miora and this is what the story is trying to say it's like it's not it's trying to say a lot of things and it's just teasing it all out and god in berserk is like i don't know what you gonna do mm-hmm. you know he's not this is my will and i'm evil or i'm ultimately good and you all misunderstand it's just like i don't know i'm you like what are you gonna <laughs> what do you want to do where do you want to go from here yeah exactly and um the uh so we've talked about how the the bad the torturers are actually uh angels right uh which also by the way this is kind of interesting i don't know if this is a direct influence but because i was reading the book of the new sun before we started in on berserk the fact that there is a huge citadel uh which they call a citadel in berserk that's full of torturers um there might be a little gene wolf influence there which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. Um, they all have black hoods on their heads and no shirts, which is kind of like, I guess that's standard torture executioner garb for back in the day, but it's also very specifically what Severian wears in uh, the shadow of the torturer. So um, I'm not sure if that got translated into Japanese or not. Apparently, a big inspiration for Miura for this series was something called the, what is it, like the, the Guido Saga or something? The, it's, it starts with like a G. It's not Guido. It's, it's something else. But it's like the longest running novel in history. There's like 130 novels in the series that I oh, think a, I think a lady wrote it. Uh, but it's about a guy who's got a leopard mask uh, magically affixed to his face that won't come off, and he's just he's got no memory and he's wandering through this fantasy world fighting shit. Which I mean, it sounds pretty badass. Uh, the Gwyn Saga, that's what it is. Not Guido. The Guido, Guido. Saga, like Jer- <laughs> Jersey Shore. A hundred novels of the Jersey Shore. There's like five five books where it's just a, them getting fat and then having to go to the gym. But yeah, no, I mean, it all ends in a big fight and everything gets epic as fuck. The big final philosophical question that Mira does not shy away from at the end of the Conviction arc after um the angels are essentially they're trying to kill casca 
because it's right. in, it's intuited that Casca is actually like the reason. It's Casca and, and Guts, right? They're the reason why the demons are there in the first place, because they're attracted to that brand of sacrifice. And so, if they just kill Casca, they can get rid of all these, you know, epic, huge shadow creatures that are, you know, essentially killing tens of thousands of people, like these refugees, right? Who we who we've mm-hmm. seen, right? We've seen like the starving people and the starving children. And the manga makes a very kind of brutal assessment of this where they say, fuck that, like we don't care. So they Mm -hmm. kill the angels and pretty much let the demons just eat everybody. Tens of thousands of people die during this big climactic battle because they're all trying to run away and uh, there's a really cool line where Guts, they say like, should we go to the castle? and Guts is like, no, that's the feed box. And that's like where everybody has has corralled, like penned themselves in like pigs for the slaughter. And But at the end of it, it's like not remarked on it at all besides like acknowledging that tens of thousands of people just died because they, they wouldn't just toss casket to the, to the demons, you know? Um, right. Which I totally yeah. get. You know what I mean? Like if that was no, Rios. No, I 100% get, yeah. Yeah, if, if that was Rios or Gus or or even like you or people who i really care about it's like nah fuck it it's like there's ten thousand people down there i'm like ten thousand strangers are down there i -hmm. could give a fuck less yeah and that's another like heavy thing that he just drops on the table and it's just like you know is what it is and to be honest exploring our own humanity or whatever like that's a hundred percent what i would do yep i'm but i'm still rocking i'm still team guts I'm like yeah yeah i'd absolutely slaughtered or allow ten thousand refugees to be swallowed up by demons if it meant like if i have to kill these angels to keep them from burning my wife yeah yeah hundred yeah. percent and i think i think that's a big split with people right i think that a lot of people would disagree with that statement and they would not just disagree with it but they would think that it was horrifying like you would let 10 like but all those people have their own lives they have their own versions of rios and erica and rowan and gus and what we're saying is i don't care yeah they are, i guess they're not <laughs> fighting for them hard enough <laughs> you know like, what i mean it's it's that'd be that'd be my rebuttal it's like where's their giant sword you know what they don't yeah. have they don't have this giant ass sword that i got they don't have and the slab I'm, of iron, bro. I'm fighting for mine. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, uh, yeah, it's hard for, for some people to wrap their heads around, but, I mean, that's sort of during my kind of journey, my spiritual journey to kind of figure out how to be in the world, that was like a major question for me because so many issues that are brought up in the public square that is Twitter or in unfortunately in conversation with people now has a lot to do with like what should we do about all these people who are not your family right and there are some people who are like well if my family has to take a little bit of a hit you know to make sure that these uh you know i don't know homeless people have a a clean bed to lay in that's not me at all right i'm like get the fucking drug addicts the fuck away from my house you know, like I don't want them anywhere near my children or my child, I should say, or my wife or 
or anybody like that. That might be the biggest ideological split, I think, right, between left and right. And what would ultimately probably put me more on the right is that I've got a you know small circle, a few friends, and those people are who who matter to me. And those are people who I would actually sacrifice myself for. I would, you know, uh, alter the course of my life to make sure that their lives are easier. Uh, I'll do anything for them. But, and I'm not going to, like, literally I'm not going to uh, do anything for for strangers. I'm just not, I just don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, well, and I mean... It is kind of presented as well, also just like is what it is, kind of not like it's trying to say this necessarily, but like something else you can take from Berserk is anytime it shows just these NPC villagers, refugees, people in tent, you know, the people, the victims or whatever, you know, the, the people not fighting as hard as guts or whatever, they're just trying to get by, they're always like living in the past getting drunk abusing their wives mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's there's no love right and that is a thing that comes with love is you will throw all the strangers and you will let the whole world burn for the person that you love mm-hmm. and so, if everybody was like that then the world would be covered in love right <laughs> right right man that's a really good point yeah, if everybody cared about their small circle and did anything they could to help that small circle. Because in a way, it could be just sort of a, a selfish denial of your responsibility to those you care about if you're constantly pawning it off on other people, right? Like a governmental policy or, you know, or tax, mm-hmm. like whatever, you know, not to go on a huge libertarian rant or anything like that but i do hate taxes now um but if you kind of like if you if you're constantly yeah if everybody was able to act that way but then it's one of those things where you know a lot of people who i know who believe in these kind of social programs and in you know like taking care of people a lot of them have horrible relationships with their friends and families nobody likes them you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they they would sell their family out for a few likes on on TikTok or whatever. So it's like it's like the outsourcing of your humanity, right? Like within the small human feeble brain that we've been given for seventy years or so, um, you only have like the bandwidth for a certain amount of stuff. And if you're, you know, selfish and awful, you know, you could. I mean. I don't see this gets really complicated and I'm talking over myself because a misconception I think is that a person who is more maybe conservative um, not talking about politicians who are weasels but just like a regular guy like you or me and who's like I'm all about me and my family like that's looked as at as selfish whereas the actual selfish people are like the ones who won't I don't know go to work every day who instead decide to you know take pictures of themselves uh, and post them online alongside of like we've got to be communist communism will win uh you know what i mean like which one who's the real selfish person right the person who who 
uh, sort of vaguely articulates an ideology that suggests, in theory, that everybody should be equal, or somebody who very bluntly says, you know, we're not equal, my family's the most important, and I'm willing to, you know, break my back and, you know, maybe not do things, not realize my dream so that they can realize theirs. kind of important i'm kind of at that crossroads right now I and mean, it's what i'm doing uh like i'm going out to get a job because i want rios to be able to realize her dreams and i think she has a really good chance of being able to realize them you know i have a lot of faith in her uh but you know that means that i stop like my life as i know it stops but I'm not bitter or angry about that. I would be bitter or angry if it was somebody I, I had to do that for somebody I didn't give a shit about. But I don't know. You just you you literally move outside of yourself when you have a small circle, and you somehow through some kind of strange paradox you become more self-absorbed and awful the more people you pretend to care about. And. You know, the continuing saga of Berserk is just a, a constant wrestle with maintaining that balance, you know, of like Guts opening up his, like extending his empathetic reach around the people who, when it's only the people who he comes in contact with, right? Because I mean, one, the internet does not exist in Berserk, <laughs> you know, it is whatever dark renaissance, medieval conglomeration of European era that it is so but the people that he comes across you know he gives a little bit more effort and I mean that's all you can do yeah there's kind of this idea of you know I'm trying to relate it to you know American superheroes and this idea of you know the crime fighter who has a secret identity you know, spends all this time saving Gotham or saving Metropolis over and over again. And what would what, what the comics always end up with, which is like the person they care about the most being killed or put in danger, right? At the end of every superhero movie, whether the, the guy's girlfriend is dead or not, she's always taken hostage, right, by this, by this guy. Uh, and, and the superhero again and again will reiterate that you know, it's important to save the world, even if that means you know, putting people you love in danger. And Guts is like, fuck the whole world, right? Like, <laughs> it's kind of like you said earlier, like he'll burn the world to the, and this might change, you know, we haven't read the whole series yet, but where he's at right now, he's like, no, I'm saving these people and fuck everybody else. So it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of an inverted superhero. 